0: Today, I'd like to talk to you about the one thing people often forget to be thankful for. want to give you a little bit of a, a picture of my family Thanksgiving growing up in blue-collar Detroit with my Irish, German, Italian, and Polish mixed family. Our family Thanksgiving's were comprised of my entire extended family coming together for a large feast, sometimes close to 60 people in one house. And if you look at the houses in Detroit, not like some of the houses we have here. They're very, very small. And it was a tough, blue-collar Detroit family. A bottle of Jack Daniels was the centerpiece for the Thanksgiving table, and they knew nothing of a turkey less than 20 pounds. They knew nothing of mashed potatoes with less than eight sticks of butter. There'd also be a huge poker game and uh, the occasional fight when one of my uncles lost. My brother and I would watch football, and then the uncle that lost would typically join us soon after. Detroit versus Chicago, two powerhouse cities. But before we ate, we'd gather around the table, and we would all share something that we were thankful for. But here's the one thing I noticed. We were always thankful about the good things, but never the bad. We always mention the good things, don't we? My answer usually sounded something like this. I'm, I'm thankful for my family, thankful for being able to live in a free country. It's all very true, but the older I've gotten and the more I've realized that Some of the things that I'm most thankful for aren't necessarily the happy blessings in my life. Some of them are what you might call the unhappy blessings in my life, things that don't feel like blessings at all in the moment. And this week, uh, I didn't want to make this message about myself, but I want to use myself as an example because no one knows a person better than themselves most of the time. And so here are some of the things that I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for the loneliness, real loneliness that I experienced my freshman year of college when I moved back to the United States after I'd lived overseas for nearly four years. I'm thankful for the hard season of going to see a counselor and a therapist about a painful experience I had had as a child. I'm thankful for the dark time that I had in life when I was slipping deeper and deeper into drugs and alcohol. Not thankful for the drugs and alcohol, but thank you for the pain and the dark time it took coming out of that. I'm thankful for the heartache, the broken heart that followed after breaking up with my high school sweetheart. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Why would anybody be thankful for those things? Those are never on the list of things we're thankful for. Those are things we work our darndest to try to forget. Those aren't the kind of things we want to remember. Those are the things that we want to block out of our minds. You know, those are the things that, 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 that fuel the cold, dark world that we don't want to have or, or fuel the agnostic's desire to be angry or mad or keep doubting God or God's goodness or God's presence or God's reality. <coughs> Excuse me. Why would anybody be thankful For those dark, depressing times. Why would anybody be thankful for those things? Or more importantly, why would I be thankful for those things? Let me tell you why. Because they brought me closer to Jesus. They brought me closer to Jesus. I relied less on myself more on Him. I sought His wisdom rather than my own. I began to want to be on His path rather than my own. Being lonely, my freshman year of college, replaced my tendency to distract myself with so many people that I had finally learned to rely on my relationship with God. I learned that sometimes it is good to be alone that God wants us to be alone because in those moments when we drowned out all the other noise of life and hear the voice of the divine shepherd speaking into our heart, it showed me that God was real and that rather than looking outward to try to find God, I merely needed to look inward and recognize he was always there. I'm thankful for that. I had a painful experience happen to me when I was a child. And as a result, it was sabotaging my relationships with everybody. And when I first saw the counselor, it was hard. But it wasn't hard to talk about my past. I I think a lot of people, they hear that and they think, oh, was it really hard to share what happened with you as a child? No, actually it wasn't. Uh, You It happens to a lot of people. I'm kind of over it. What was really hard was I had a really negative attitude toward psychiatrists and therapists and counselors and shrinks. I, yeah, I used to laugh at them, mock at them. Uh, I, I remember I'd hear some of the things they try to say, blame it on my mother, blame it on my father, blame it on this. And I, I mean, I would walk away absolutely you know, laughing and mocking and, and I had so much pride in my heart because I thought these people were a joke, just purveyors of psychobabble that didn't have anything real of substance to help me with. Until one day in that church in the ghetto of Seattle that I was working at, my pastor came up to me and he said, Tom, you have some unresolved conflict in your heart. You do. And he said, I'll tell you what, I'm gonna, our church didn't have any money. So he said, I'm gonna personally pay for you to go to this, this counselor uh, for two sessions. If you don't like it, you can never go again. If you do like it, then I'll figure out a way to get you a second job. You can still work at the church, but to pay for that. I so, thought, you know, How do you say no to that, you know? So I said, I said, okay. And man, I went in, and it was so much different than I had ever thought. Growing up as a young boy in Detroit, I was this little fighter guy. I didn't pick fights, but I didn't back down from them. And in Detroit, there's ample amount of people who will pick a fight with you. And I remember, I know it's going to sound weird for some of you, but I remember after getting beat up really bad sometimes, feeling really good because I knew I'd lick that kid too. You know, he, he may have got the best of me, but he didn't go home without any marks on him. Of course, I'd go home, i had have marks all over me. My mom would get all upset. My dad would say, why are you fighting again? But here's what would happen. Slowly over the weeks, let's say I had a little scratch in my face or a black eye or something. Well, you know what happens? Is the marks slowly fade. And I remember I used to enjoy watching the fight marks slowly fade as my body healed. I told that to the counselor. And she said, you know what? It's the marks that you cannot see that are the most dangerous. They're the ones that don't heal with the passage of time. They only get worse. And when she said that, I knew it was Jesus speaking through her. I went in there proud and arrogant, came out healed, stronger, and more importantly, humbled, humbled. I needed a good humbling and God used that experience to give it to me. The dark time I had experienced in the life of drugs and alcohol and parties pointed me to the fact that my true need You do all that stuff because you're looking to need, you need something, need something to have fun with, pick you up, give you pleasure. And I began to realize that my true need was Jesus. My true need was a relationship with him that far outweighed anything the demon in the bottle could ever offer. And finally, breaking up with my high school sweetheart taught me that a relationship with a girl will never, ever Totally fulfill me. That my first focus had to be the Lord. My first focus had to be God over girls. So often in relationships, we can become so woefully codependent or sexually addicted or, or even relationally addicted or or it just it just gets so weird. Your relationship gets so weird that even people around you are like, I don't want to be around them anymore. They're just a weird couple. You know? You never get around people like that where it's like, uh yeah. You know, he just got that weird, you know. And, and I learned that the one person in the world that I couldn't live without wasn't my girlfriend. The one person in the world I couldn't live without was Jesus. At one point in my life, there did come a moment where I somewhat had to choose. Our relationship was escalating to a point where I had a choice in front of me. Jesus or this girl I, I really liked. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, girls can come and go. I I hate to say it that way, but, you know, there are fish in the sea. I remember thinking, there's only one Jesus. I don't want to get rid of the one person I truly need. All four of those instances, painful instances, very hard going through them. But I look back on them now, and I'm very, very thankful. And it brings me to that verse. We can go to the second slide. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. All circumstances, the good and the bad. All right. I asked, you know, what about you? You had some times that were hard, but looking back, they brought you closer to the Lord? I remember once Jack Hayford said, You know, a hard time can do one of two things. It can bring you closer to the Lord in such a way where his reality, his love, and his presence just permeates your whole being, or it can harden your heart so that you're so disgusting with all things God, you just become a hardened agnostic or atheist. You can kind of go one way or the other when trials come. The Bible promised that trials would come. What did Jesus say? In this world, you will have tribulation. That's trial, trouble, tragedy, all that stuff. He says, but take heart, for Jesus has overcome the world. And so this morning, I'd like you to think not just of the good things that you might be thankful for, but also the hard things. Because I'll tell you right now, it's the difficult things that have just as much made me into the man I am, the pastor I am, as much as the good. In fact, probably more in some cases. Why? Because they brought me closer to Jesus. Anything that does that, I'm thankful for. Because only good has come out of that. Amen? Now, I know what some of you may be thinking. that Tom, there are some things we can never be thankful for. I mean, of course, that's true. That, you know, we don't have thankfulness when it comes to, you know, Paris, right? I mean, somebody comes and kills a couple hundred people or 150 people, whatever it is. That's yeah, not something you sit back and say, wow, you know, thank you for that. Or, or when a child dies from cancer or when you see people just suffering continuously and, and you know, obviously there's something to this that is in the full orb of biblical preaching and teaching. You know We don't, be, we don't sit there and like masochists, be thankful for those things. Those things are often things that, that, that are part of the horrors of sin, part of the horrors of the world that we live in. There are three outcomes to the events in our lives, and it'll be up on a slide here. And the first outcome is triumph. You have an event and you win. You push through it. You've got victory. Maybe there was no trial. Maybe it's just a happy day. Whatever it was, you 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 got a date. You got a job. You 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 had a growth spurt in your relationship with God. It was a triumph. And those things are awesome. And they're meant to confirm God's presence in our life. But for many of us, we'll have a series of trials. Trials are hard times. Hard things that you got to push through. But the outcome is not necessarily yet determined. There can still be a good to it. There can still be something beneficial that comes out of it. We may not like it, but the fact of the matter is God uses trials to grow us. And he's unapologetic about it. It's one of the best ways as we go through a trial, we can learn God is good. God is faithful. God is for us. And God is bigger than anything we might ever face. Amen? Amen? The third thing is tragedy. There are tragedies that occur. You know what God does? He mourns with us. What did God do when one of his best friends on earth died, Lazarus? He mourned, he wept. If he he could have said it, he'd have looked those sisters in the eye, Martha and Mary. He said, this is why I never wanted sin for humanity. This is why I never wanted evil to cover the earth. This is why I didn't want any of it. And I mourn with you. Jesus mourns with us. Triumphs confirm God's presence. Trials confirm that God is growing us every now and then, there are tragedies. Tragedies that, for reasons we don't quite always understand, God doesn't prevent. And yet, they happen. And through that, God mourns with us. I can't tell you how many people who, as angry as they might be, that God had the power to stop something and didn't. They come into my office, and they're grieving, and they say, But Tom, I just want the Lord's comfort through this hard time. I trust him. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that there was a reason why this couldn't be prevented. And I don't want to be mad at him. I don't want to love him. The Bible teaches that God is with us in the triumphs and the trials, but he mourns in the tragedies. And Sadly, I've talked to a lot of people where when tragedy strikes, it drives a deep wedge between them and God. I was talking to my mother the other day and we were having a conversation. I was, I was previewing some of my message with her and she said, you know, Tom, I think of all my friends, I'm the last one. I'm the last one to still be a Christian, still, still be a believer. She said, they, they've all, either they never were or, or they've just walked away. She said, I don't know, but they just, and I said, mom, why do you think the number one thing reason why? And she said, well, they're all disappointed. Something bad happened in their life and she's like, and you know, when you're, when you're pushing 70, there could be some bad things that happen. You might get sick. You might get retired early, you know. They, they might retire you. There, there's things that can happen. And she said, you know, we don't want them to happen. And we think, God, why did you let this happen? And because this happened, it's bad. And if God was good, he wouldn't have let it happen. So God either must not exist or he must not be good. But I don't want anything to do with God. And it drives that wedge. So I asked my mother. My mother is a breast cancer survivor. My mother uh, opened her own business at 62. Uh, my mother, you know, she's an amazing woman. I said, Mom, what, what really kept you through it all? You know, what really, you know, I mean, what, you know, all the tragedies that, you know, so many people have died in my mother's life. And, and uh, she grew up in the war era, lost two boyfriends to the war. I mean, just, you know, all these things. I, I, sometimes I hear her story and I, I say, Mom, what kept you so strong and so firm. And she said, well, my great-grandmother, growing up, was a hard, tough uh, Polish lady. And she said, you know, uh, the world is what we've made of it, not what God's made of it. If you want, he'll help you through this world. But remember, he didn't cause any of this. This is our doing. I said, Mom, that's... That's awesome. That's that's a great insight. I said, did that really get you through all the hard times? She goes, no, but I do think of it every now and then. I'll close here with a few points. Number one, first, believe in all your heart, especially through the hard times. God didn't do it and doesn't want it. God didn't do it and doesn't want it, okay? Okay. God didn't do it and doesn't want it. But, but he died for it. That's why he died for it. Remember, Jesus suffered too. Whenever I get mad and I think, God, I'm going through a hard time. I'm suffering. I don't have anything to be thankful for. I'm broke. I'm lonely. I'm cold. Well, I'm never cold, but you know, I'm all these things, you know, God, why is this all happening? I, I Sometimes I have to go back to the fact that you know, there's a lot that's going on on Earth today. God didn't want God, it was never in God's plan, never in the design, never in the thing. it's somewhat to a degree. The world is what we've made of it. But in spite of that, Jesus did something I'm sure he didn't wake up one day and want to do. Uh, yes, for the joy set before him, Jesus, what? endured the cross. okay? When you endure something. It's not something you really want to do, but it's something you're willing to do for a greater good. Jesus didn't wake up one day and say, wow, it's going to be great to be crucified today. Man, I can't wait to just die on that cross. No. Jesus died for it because he doesn't want this. He doesn't want to see tragedy. He doesn't want to see pain. He doesn't want to see suffering. He doesn't want to see terrorism. He doesn't want to see any of this stuff. In his plan is that in the next world, none of it will exist. No suffering, no tears, no depression, no hunger, no fighting, no wars. I was I say, they will beat their swords into plowshares. There will be food in heaven. Less fighting, more eating. My kind of place. Number two. Second, prepare for anything. Be prepared for anything. Tragedies are seldom something you can prepare for. I was talking to a friend of mine who also just turned 40. And I said, uh, what kind of life insurance policy do you have? And he said, I don't have one. He said, I just don't believe God would do that to me. And I went, whoa. You have a terrible theology. You you, you, You are setting yourself up to hate God. Because the fact of the matter is, none of us are promised tomorrow. None of us. You should have a life insurance policy. At least $500,000, in my opinion. If you don't, let this be a practical encouragement from your pastor. Go out on Monday. Not Tuesday, not Wednesday, because you may not be there. In fact, if they were open today, I'd say go right (laughs) after the sermon, you know. You need to go get a life insurance policy because you might go. That might be it. And it's not God's fault. It's the way the world works right now. What does he say in James chapter 4, verses 13 and 14? James says, listen, you who say today and tomorrow, we're going to go to this city and that city. We're going to carry on business here. We're going to do this and there. You know what he says? He says, Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is our lives but a little mist that appears for a little while and then poof, it's gone? We need to be prepared for anything. My wife and I, sometimes when we pray, she doesn't like it, but I say, Tanya, we we need to prepare for the fact that maybe something will happen to one of our kids one day. I don't want to spend years angry at God that something might happen because the fact of the matter is, something could happen. Something could happen. We're broken. We're dying. Okay? Slowly, but we're dying. Some of you more quickly, but we're dying. You know? One of the youth asked me, you know, do people, will people who smoke go to heaven? I said, of course they will. Probably quicker, but of course they will. You know? No, <laughs> so that's a good answer. You know? <laughs> I mean, that's it. we're dying. Some of us faster than others, but we're all dying. There is no tomorrow for some of us. And that does not make God bad. Why? Because of what he did on the cross. He defeated death so that even though we may not have tomorrow, in a little while, we will all have eternity together. We will all have each other. And by golly, I think we'll know one another. I know there's some people out there that don't don't think that at all. I think that's ludicrous. They recognized Jesus after he came back. Maybe not at first, but they did recognize him. I think I'll know exactly who some of you are. And some of you all avoid. So, anyway, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Third, God's trials are for you, not against you. We had a good friend of mine who, who was part of the starting of this church, and uh, he was he was uh, he had become a millionaire. And uh, but I when I asked him his story, he used to live on Skid Row in Los Angeles. He's homeless was homeless he said i went from homeless to wealthy and then back to homeless and now i'm a millionaire now you know and i asked him i said you know what could you say that was common about that and he said you know i'll tell you something when i was homeless living in la and when i had my seven bedroom house here in seven oaks he said you want to know something interesting God didn't change. God was the same when I had no money, when I had lots of money. God never changed. He said, that constant sense of God's presence throughout my life proved to me God is real. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that all of those trials were to pound out the incredible stubbornness and agnosticism that had characterized my life for so much after the war in Vietnam. And he had arrived to that place of peace where he finally gave up the ghost and bowed his knee to Jesus. And he said, you know what? Jesus was no longer just a concept for me. He was a person I could have a relationship with. Not out there. It wasn't about being on the streets or having cash in my hands. Jesus was in here. The deeper I looked in here, the more I found his faithfulness. And then finally, number four, circumstances may not change, but you can. For some of us, circumstances may not change. May not make all that money you hope to make. May not marry that girl you hope to marry. May not uh, you know, achieve that promotion or or whatever you know the circumstance may never happen. you know it may never happen. I know too many people who I meet with in their sixties and seventies they 're really upset that their plan didn't come out, and I often tell them, look, don't spend another minute thinking about that. Use whatever you got left to just serve Jesus with all your heart, and you will die happy. Trust me." They're like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea, you know? It's true. Circumstances may never change, but we can. How I would face each of those four things now is way different. They'd be equally as painful. I don't plan on getting divorced, so scratch that one off. <laughs> don't plan on becoming an alcoholic, but because I was one once, I don't, I don't play with that one. I don't mess with it. The other, you know, the other ones, how I would face those now, totally different. They may happen, but there's been change. God grows us. In 2 Corinthians 3, he says, Paul says, we will be changed from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. We will be changed as glory to Glory. Buy your heads with me for one moment. Worship team, come on forward. So the one thing that we'll often forget to be thankful for, probably the one thing that keeps so many people from a relationship with God, the one thing that nauseates people sometimes when they come into a church, the one thing that angers them when they hear a pastor teaching or they see a missionary loving or an evangelist teaching, a Sunday school worker working. It's because of those tragedies. Trials and triumphs, God can help us in the land of the living. Tragedies often involve death. And there is no help in the land of the living when it comes to death. Only mourning and grieving and God does that with us in the land of the living. But I also, I also want to leave you with a hopeful thought in the midst of a tragedy. Through Jesus Christ, God also helps us in the afterlife. Takes us to that, not just that better place, but what he says to the thief on the cross in Luke chapter 23 there was a man dying right beside Jesus on the cross. And he looks at Jesus and says, Jesus, I'm here because I'm being rightly punished for my sin, but you're not. So when you get to the kingdom that I know God's gonna give you, would you remember me? And Jesus looked at him with whatever strength he had left. And he said, sir, today, you will be with me in paradise. Death is a tragedy, but Jesus has overcome the tragedy on an old rugged cross. So before we go into Thanksgiving, I want to give one simple invitation. Maybe for those of you who have never made this decision or for those of you who have, but you've just allowed anger, doubt, And 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 disappointment with God filter in. I want to remind you, God is good, God is bigger than your problems, and God is for you, even though it may not seem like it in the moment. So whether for the first time or whether you just want to renew that, how many of you would you would say, I don't want Jesus to be a concept anymore? I want to have a relationship with him and make him my Lord and Savior. Now, bow your heads, close your eyes. If that's what you'd like to do, just go up and look up at me right now. Amen. 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 Awesome. Awesome. You know what, church? Let's pray this together. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your forgiveness. Forgive me of my sins. Fill my heart. Be my Lord. Be my my Savior. Savior. Grant me your spirit. spirit. In Jesus' name, name. Amen. amen. Amen.